3: And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw. The only pro wrestling podcast you'd be listening to right here, at YouTube.com forward slash Steven Larson. Available wherever podcast can be found and of course taped live to the Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Steven Larson. This particular episode of Going In Raw, though, is of course our latest entry in our Dark Side of the Ring series season three. Uh episode Becoming Warrior. Uh, yes. review but um, alongside it we also both watched the A&E uh, biography episode of Warrior uh, and it was definitely an interesting uh, sort of side-by-side uh, 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 review I watched I watched like the first 30 minutes of the A&E one today no first I watched the dark side the first 30 minutes of it and then 30 minutes of AE, and then we did our news brief, and then I finished the A and E one, and then I finished the Dark Side. So basically it was just one
4: documentary for So me. it's like all this kind of mashed together in your mind. Yeah, I watched the A and E one last night and the uh Dark Side one today. Like they're both pretty like I I know I know Dana Warrior described the dark side episode as smut and filth. But really, in terms of approach and and how they're telling the story of warrior, yeah, they're different in terms of production, in terms of the order of events. I mean, Dark Side is, is really focusing on one particular period of his life. Yeah. Primarily, whereas the A and E one is is the whole width, width and breadth of his life and career. Yeah. But I think like if you get down to like the thesis of each, they're not that dissimilar. You know, they're both portraits of a flawed, complex man who was basically forever haunted, burdened with feelings of rejection based on his father leaving him at a young age and and he just seemingly never was able to process that moment in his life in a healthy manner and thus led to you know a a lifetime seeming seemingly of 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 anger resentment bitterness anxiety until and both episodes kind of share this at at the end too until seemingly at the end of his life he came to peace with certain aspects of that and and was, was reaching out to some of the wrestlers he felt like he had wronged at his Hall of Fame induction and apologizing to him.
3: I felt like the A&E one, especially... I, I thought even the A&E one was sort of the tale of two halves. I thought that the back half of it was was actually pretty damn interesting. I think probably starting with the, uh, the apology video that he was required to... Because uh, I felt that that was sort of... Not pulling a lot of punches, just showing that. Um, but I feel like, by and large, the A and E one, you know, given that it was, it was, uh, I think there's an element of, uh, you know, it was um, approved. WWE approved. Obviously. You know? obviously. that It was. It was. It, it walked a bit more on eggshells on eggshells than the yeah. other one. You know, Dark Side is obviously a, a bit more blunt in its assessment, and uh, you know, you got guys Definitely. like Cornette. Um, who, you know, were we're speaking his brutal truth.
4: Yeah, Um, I mean, just for briefly for a second, like the A&E one didn't talk about his infidelity, which was talked about in the Dark Side episode. The A&E documentary didn't talk a lot. It touched on it briefly about the resentments of the locker room towards Warrior and his fast ascension to the top. Yeah. Um, They get into way more detail on Dark Side. Jake Roberts especially talks about it quite extensively, as does Jim Cornette. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, like the latter half of Warrior's life, yeah, the a and E, I I think partially because they had more time to tell the story, and it was, you know, the A&E documentary was more about his entire career and life. Uh, you know, they went into a bit more detail, not as much as I would like, but then again, a WWE-approved uh, production, about the controversies uh, surrounding the latter half of his life in terms of his motivational speaking you know
3: well i thought it was interesting I, I honestly think that you could probably take if you watch dark side's episode first and then a and e's the second half of it you look you don't need to watch any of the first half of it. The, the shit that when they, they go over his career in that a and e doc his his time in the wwe yeah th- there is nothing in there number one there's there's nothing that's illuminating and th- the, there's the only
4: thing the only thing i think the, the, that 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 shines a little bit of light in the first half of the a and d stuff is about him in high school and that's it
3: yeah yeah i could i could see that there was a bit of hu- yeah humanization there but you know i mean they got no I'm, and i'm not i'm not slighting these guys at all but they got you know your, your typical cast of wwe talking head characters they've got uh, sam roberts they've got uh uh uh, uh, Pete Rosenberg, who who do a good mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. sort of you know taking the the hey we're we're fans we've been fans since we were kids this is our point of view from when we were fans, um, and you know they they have a wonderful guy and I, honestly I forget his name maybe you have it but he was the the writer of a warrior biography, um, and I forget his yeah, name I didn't catch
4: his name he
3: does a really good job of sort of filling in some gaps. But uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if you watch the dark side one, you get all that great stuff like Jake Roberts. I thought the Jake Roberts stuff was excellent in this, mm-hmm. even to, to to the end. Uh, you know, when uh, at the beginning, when he says, you know, that, hey, they were going to give me a, a title run. I was going to go up against the warrior. And but I had to clear it with warrior first, which was unheard of. And uh, but Vince allowed it. And he says, hey, Jake, we just have to do it this way. <laughs> Jake, I I laughed out loud when Jake goes in there. <laughs> Warrior's just a dick to him and says, listen, I don't care about your family. I don't care about your kids. If you miss any shows, uh, you're messing with my money. I don't care about pro wrestling. I just want to do my shit. <laughs> I I laugh so hard at that because the temerity of a person to say that. Mm-hmm. Um and it really did. I mean it was uh, the the, brood, the brutal truth of it is I thought I thought Dark side the obviously the most compelling character in the Dark Side stuff was his first wife. And Mm -hmm. I thought therein lies the humanity because she almost more than Dana warrior in the A and E one defended warrior to a degree. You know, it's like the guy was riddled with insecurities, anxieties. And I thought that there was an, there is a very interesting juxtaposition when she described him winning the title against Hogan and when Shane McMahon described it, because Shane McMahon's take was, look at how happy he was. He was crying and very emotional. She was like, no, he's just riddled with anxiety. And and to be experiencing those levels of emotion or that level of a high coupled with, you know, the, the, the incredibly complex stuff that's going on in his head had to be like maybe crippling to the guy. I don't know. But like clearly he didn't experience
4: a ton of joy back then. It didn't seem like it. No, no, it did not seem like it. One thing the A&E thing did talk about, uh, again, briefly. I mean, that's the thing about the A&E one is is they hit the story beats, mm-hmm. by and large, that you'd, that you'd expect. Yeah. But, you know, just based on the, the premise of the whole enterprise, some of the stuff they kind of have to just touch on briefly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um But they did mention, I don't remember who it was, talked about the, the, the incredible amount of pressure mm-hmm. that Warrior was probably under, having... Mm-hmm. To carry the company on his shoulders after winning the title yeah you know especially someone just five years or so into the business you I'm know i remember uh, if that
3: was russo or not that might have been russo, russo which was, was which was an odd pick to interview he
4: might have been there in 96 when he came back i think he was That's
3: probably there in 96, 96 but he wasn't there in the in 90 91 no, 92 no no um yeah i, I mean a, a lot of Venom that is was just... writing
4: for wb magazine back in 1991
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah like a lot of that was just like You know, let's put people in there familiar with the situation, I guess, you know, which is fine.
4: But, uh, but. Well, like JR wasn't in WWE in 1991. He was probably still in WCW then. uh, You're probably right about that. Yeah, you're probably right about that.
3: Um, I mean, he was there in 96, but. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know how much. I mean, did, did. Was Cornette. I mean, Cornette was. Was he there?
4: He was in and out a lot.
3: Yeah, he was in and out a lot,
4: huh? Um, I mean, it's all people familiar with the situation, which is fine. Well, I, I should say that Jr. was there. They showed the a and E one that uh, he was there in. Oh, was it Mid South or W C uh-huh. C W? Because he was doing some announcing, talking about. Yeah. I think the Blade Runner. So much Mid South.
3: Yeah, but I thought it was interesting. The uh, you know the, the the stuff that was most interesting to me really was, you know, I, I thought that the obviously like, like I just said, the the most insight out of all of this stuff was from his first wife it really was Mm -hmm. i mean dana Mm -hmm. warrior and i even look i'll be honest i got emotional at the end of both of these when they talked about about his death and it's funny man it's like you know you can you can pile on the guy for for saying the horrible things he did um and and i did appreciate that with the a and e doc is that they showed the the majority or they showed the, the 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 important bits of his speech when the kids the UConn one the yukon yeah. one where the students really backlashed against the, the oh they were things. laughing at him they were laughing at him and they were yelling at him like yeah. they were saying hey you need to apologize for yeah. saying that stuff and yep. I'm so glad yep. um that, that 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 went down that way because I'd never I really mean, seen I, that aspect
4: of it yeah I mean I you know obviously we we both read excerpts from the 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 awful blog posts yeah yeah you know it may be seen some transcripts of some of the, the videos which the, the dark side uh, ring had, had showed some of but it's 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 interesting how Cornette, uh, framed that aspect saying that he was decided he wouldn't be a motivational speaker which is why I said motivational speaker with yeah. air quotes earlier when he was you know effectively just went far right spouting off all sorts of absolute garbage yeah um, and you know the A&E one uh Dana was saying well he was listening to a lot of Rush Limbaugh a lot of Fox News and but then Dark Side they have this 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 line from a speech he gave where Warrior was essentially crediting Dana yeah to <laughs> help him realize yeah he was a conservative yeah
3: yeah i mean it it's funny dude because it's it it is actually it's it's easy to say you know uh, in in response to Dana Warrior saying you know well he was listening to a lot of Rush Limbaugh dude what is it? I just read today. Uh, what is it? A quarter of, uh, of Republicans believe in the QAnon stuff. There was like a study. And oh it's like gosh. it's easy to say, oh, you know what? You're going to put it on on somebody else. But yeah, that stuff does poison the mind. It does. It, it does. does. I mean, it completely does. It's it's OK to go there and say, well, he was listening. to A lot of that stuff now. I mean, maybe maybe he went from, you know, sort of a. Uh, uh, buying into whatever conservatism she bought into. And maybe it wasn't as extreme as some of the stuff that he was listening to. And maybe he just took it and ran with it. He seemed like the kind of guy who would take stuff and run with it, you know, quite yes. often that was his thing.
4: Yes. yes. Um,
3: you know, de- questioning his
4: point of view. That's one thing his first wife said is, is when he had opinion, when he thought something was the right way to do things, it was, it was an interesting and it, 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 quote and I'll try to find it here, but essentially was he, Jim Helwig had a hard time seeing things from other people's point of view.
3: Yeah. Y- yes. Yeah.
4: When he had a thought, when he had an opinion, he thought it was the the right way to do things. The correct. The way. right opinion to to hold. You know. And,
3: and that was echoed f- with everybody from Jake uh, to uh, to to Jr. Everybody that talked to him in the, about the early days, Bischoff, about the early days working with him is that the more popular the dingo warrior got the more difficult it was i forget who they interviewed from the from his it earlier was david
4: years. manning the guy who used to be the booker and ref in thank WCCW. you yes yes uh, we the saw more, him the, in the von Ericks one too yeah
3: that's right the more difficult he was to work with and that just escalated all
4: the way up to the wwf i'm you know if, if his if his wife was correct on that assessment then you know you can see in 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 warrior's mind all right this is working this is getting popular I must be doing something right. Therefore, do more of that. You know? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Don't, you know, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Essentially, it's probably what he thought. But the problem is, you can't in in the world of pro wrestling, you can only go so far being a completely one dimensional character.
3: Yeah, yeah, which is why he was a flash. I mean, that's what Bischoff said from the get yeah. is that he was a very popular figure uh, for a very short period of time, which explains him exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, if he, th- it's one of those things, dude. It's it's very sort of. Uh,
0: Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. Angie's list is now Angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why.
3: the only way he would have succeeded, you can't say, oh, once he got to the top, if only he started working better with others, then he would have lasted longer, which, yes, is true, but he never would have got to the top if he was that kind of individual. You know what I mean? It's like people don't change, and you can succeed to a point off of a certain type of personality, but at that point, that's also going to be the reason why you're doomed to fail, which is why once he got to the top, you couldn't do much with that, you know, and it's like he was he was a licensed to print money. But if he if you're dealing with a guy like that uh, uh, behind the scenes, that ain't going to last because in pro wrestling, you need to collaborate. That's just that's a given. You have to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a guy like Hogan, uh, you know, in the end knew that it was the right thing to 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 put Warrior over because Hogan had faith in himself. And he was, yeah, they're going to come back around to me. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he wasn't going to pull it like a <laughs> Shawn Michaels and just so uh, oh, I'm not feeling great. I lost my smile. I got to go now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hogan put Warrior over because he knew it was, it was good business to do that. Uh, and of course, he famously said in the uh, self-destruction DVD, you know, more people <laughs> were looking at me leaving than the warrior uh, celebrating. Yeah, uh, And I hate to say I told you so. Um, but uh, but no, I I, I thought that uh, that they were, you know, dark side, obviously the, the stuff that. The stuff with his first wife was uh, Sherry, yeah, was really fascinating and heartbreaking. Um, it really was because it, the 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 most amount of I think that and also when Dana was describing you know his last day the when he passed, yeah, uh, that was really really rough. I mean for for two things. Number one, like she saw that all happen, and that's one thing that 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 haunted him was the fact that his dad and his dad before him both died.
4: In their 50s, yeah. pretty
3: young, in their early 50s. Um, and so, for her to recount that happening and leaving the kids in the hotel room uh, because she didn't want them to be scared and then regretting that, that's heavy stuff. That is. That that's is. really heavy stuff. And the final conversation in the Dark Side episode that Sherry describes, you know, that they were on good terms. They had both met a- other people, uh, or they were both dating when they both saw each other again. They were friendly, they both found significant others. And then they decided, hey, wouldn't be appropriate; it wouldn't be fair to our significant others for us to continue a, a friendship. And you know, his last little speech, which is hilariously reenacted because, like, it's it's all like in in the gym setting, I think, and they're holding hands, and the camera sort of pans around. He's got these goofy sunglasses on, like yeah. these Volt sunglasses on, <laughs> which is like seems like the most warrior thing ever. Um, and uh, but he's saying, you know, hey. Thank you. I'm so sorry for any pain. Thank you for being my wife. You were a wonderful person and I know you're gonna be all these wonderful things like the perfect parting words. And and she's, you know, crying through all this, um, yeah. recounting it you know, all these thirty years later or whatever. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um I thought it was I really touching. Sherry, it was. Sherry did a really good job of trying to explain who he was without necessarily excusing his behavior. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and she was pretty honest in her assessment. She was like, you know, I saw his early matches and WBF, they weren't good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and she's talking about how other wrestlers were, 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 you know, uh, saying warrior was a bad wrestler. Mm-hmm. And she said they were right to a point, but they didn't understand that he was, despite what he had projected outwardly, you know, arrogance, ego, Uh, maybe a a sense of a general apathy towards anybody around him that he was, you know, at his core insecure and really anxious.
3: It was, it's funny because again, you can go to the other documentary for a perfect paraphrase of that or metaphor or whatever. When his bodybuilding coach mentioned, I think it was his coach or no, I think he's just a bodybuilding enthusiast or, 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 or bodybuilding pro. And I forget his name said, you know, bodybuilders, you know, consider their body as a suit of armor, the muscles they put on as a suit of yeah. armor to protect against who they really are. Yeah. And and that seems very evident with with warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can you can trace the, the the two philosophies, the two statements there.
4: Well, I, I think th- th- this is kind of a common running Theme we've kind of seen in some of these wrestling documentaries. It's the case with the Ric Flair one. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was touched upon in the Shawn Michaels uh, biography, and as well as as you know both Dark Side and the A and E one. That you know there's people that get into this business, the pro wrestling business, who maybe at their core they don't like who they are. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean Shawn Michaels more or less said this explicitly in, mm-hmm. in the A and E one. Yeah, and so they create these characters they can live vicariously through. But then it gets to the point where you know where does the man end and the character begin you know and and sherry talks about this that after he won the title after he beat hogan it's like two months after he won jim helwig left the ultimate warrior came back you know
3: and she was devastated by that you know like when she's recounting that she was devastated by that and what a terrible thing it's like you know this person that you've known and and loved and plan to spend the rest of your life with you know basically disappears and is replaced by a a, a caricature you know Uh, like in, in in a in a in a Dark caricature of, mm-hmm. of that person, and I what a horrible thing that is,
4: yeah. And and that's what you know she led to that. Let you know that was the sequence where she said she found out about his infidelity. He um, had a whole
3: and, day book with names and towns with mm-hmm. names in towns, mm-hmm.
4: like a ludicrous
3: song. It's horrible, it is horrible. <laughs> in every
4: area code, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she just said, All right, uh, I'm serving the papers. We're getting divorced, hats off to her, too. Yeah, I for know. not standing by that, shit you know. Um, and so you know, that that's running parallel to, to kind of his decline in WWE in '91 into '92. He lost the title to Slaughter. Uh, at the subsequent WrestleMania, he retired Macho Man, and that's heading in 1992, where that SummerSlam is when he holds up Vince. Uh, says, I'm no show showing SummerSlam unless you agree to my demands, mm-hmm, yeah. And he has this letter in the A and E stuff The uh, documentary has excerpts from the letter. Mm-hmm. And the dark side has Cornette reading from Vince's letter in response. Um <laughs> Cornette's so hilarious just, in this entire thing, by the way. Yeah, it's so so just it's just between the two episodes, there's an interesting like conversation going on kind of unknowingly between the two shows. Yeah. Um, and and so you know the we we've talked about uh, this this letter these letters before where Warrior was saying I want everything Hogan has mm-hmm. in terms of pay merch mm-hmm. all that uh, I want five hundred thousand dollars to show up at SummerSlam otherwise I'm not coming yeah and Vince more or less says all right fine we'll talk about it after you get here mm-hmm. he shows up he does main events he runs backstage chasing uh, uh, Adnan and Mustafa backstage with a yeah. chair he gets back there Vince hands him the letter and and according and, to Jake said you're fired get the out of here. Yeah, because yeah, Jake said he was standing right next to him. So the the, the heartbreaking part is for yeah. Jake, yeah. he was promised a run with Warrior after SummerSlam, and he was going to win the title. Yeah, man. The second time he's promised this huge program. First, we, we talked about the story he told about a program he's supposed to do with Hogan. Yeah. He goes out there, DDTs him. They are expecting massive heat on Jake, and the crowd starts chanting DDT. Yeah, dude, they were all on board with Jake, and
3: Vince turns to Jake and says, sorry, pal, it's not going to happen. So now, so fast after forward, this, yes, yeah.
4: yes, he turns to Jake after he hands the letter to Warren, telling him he's fired. He's like, you must have the worst luck in the world. <laughs>
3: uh, and Jake is just, he talks about daydreaming. I'm going to make thousands and thousands of dollars.
4: Well, then he talks about... Being at the Hall of Fame and coming in there with a roll of quarters, and he's gonna punch <laughs> he's Warrior gonna with them. Pop him at like in the mid. Like he's a fifty-five year old man. Yes, yeah, so it's a twenty fourteen at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah, and he says he's just waiting there, steaming, waiting to waiting to pop him. He feels a tap on his shoulder. He turns around. It's Warrior. And he goes like and the this. first thing. Warrior. Yeah, does Warrior's this. like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he just apologizes. To him. Yeah, he says, "I'm sorry." He's like,
3: you know, the person I am now isn't the person I am then and uh, i've got a family now and and you know for all that stuff i'm i'm incredibly sorry and uh and he's disarmed me <laughs> yeah jake yeah. only jake would use like a term from like the 18th. oh man he disarmed me yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh jake is such a great storyteller he um, is. i think the next one is the uh the smith family episode oh that's going to be good
3: that's going to that's, that's going to be, be really good that's gonna be intense, um, but yeah, man, I got, I got, I got misty eyed, especially when Sherry was talking about uh, that last. Not, not even really like you know when he passed. It was for the, on that one. It was uh, when she talked about that last conversation between the two of them because it is, mm-hmm. it's a funny thing, you know, uh, it, when when you reach a certain point in life and you look back and you think of you know the different lives we all lead in this span of time we've got on the earth, and uh, and how certain chapters close, and it, it's a weird thing to think about uh, you know, as, as your kids get older, or, I mean, now I've got stepkids who I've been there, you know, a father figure to them for, you know, 12 years now. And when I met Mm -hmm. them, they were Alabama's age and now they're graduating high school. Uh, it it's, it's a weird thing to think about that stuff. And so I got misty eyed at that. And then when, when Dana warrior was talking about how that all went down when he actually passed, you know, and then it, it, it never, it, it always hit me when, you know, you, you know, that he had, Kids nine six years old whatever they were at the time, uh, that's that's really rough. You know mm-hmm. that that's that's incredibly rough for it to happen so suddenly and after such a high moment uh, for him. And it's funny, dude. One of the things that really that humanized him. You know, it, it's one thing to look at his various vlogs of hatred. You know, when he's running down, you know, Hulkamania really. Uh, has invaded mainstream in terms of how you failed in your life, you know that kind of stuff. Whatever the quote was, I think it was a uh, forget. That was, it was the dark side. That was in the dark side. Okay, yeah. And you look at this stuff, and they're talking about how that was stuff that was reflective. You know, he he was out. He, he was he was lashing out because that's how he felt about himself. And you look at all that stuff, and in all those vlogs, he just comes off as a miserable person. And, and and somebody who's in pain, you look at his face and he looks like he's like he looks like a person whose chest is tight, you know, like he looks like he's going to burst and mm-hmm. it just looks like it's pain. And it's like, you know, you can you can be down on the guy for the awful things he said and the, and the hate that he tried to spread. But you also have to realize that this is a guy who had a lot of pain in him. And that that that's that's not easy to live with, you know, that 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 that's a that's a horrible existence to live, you know? And and it was, it's was just interesting, you know, the, the the two shows really did a great job of painting that that's that's who he was. And it's not an excuse nope. for treating nope. people like crap. Like anxieties and and insecurity. That's not an excuse for being a dick. Nope. Um and, and it could be a reason why somebody would be like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when when Sherry talks about him really feeling down about people saying, well, he's a bad wrestler. At no point did I ever get the sense that he wanted to turn that around, you know, like, I, know, oh, I because, want to get better in the
4: ring. You know, anything. you go back to the, the A&E one where early on, he, you know, when after his father left and basically everybody and the dark side too. And Sherry mentioned this, where his goal wasn't to be a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His goal yeah. wasn't even to be a great bodybuilder. Do my shit. His <laughs> goal was to become rich and famous. Be mem- if re- you're remembered, yeah, right. Be remembered, you know? Um, and so if that's your goal, you're just going to do whatever you think you need to do to achieve that goal. And that doesn't and, actually mean becoming a good wrestler, you And know? if you
3: find success along the way, uh, I mean, if, if, if everything you're doing, like you said earlier, if everything you're doing is working and it's just bringing you further up the ladder, you know...
4: There's no incentive to change.
3: Right. So, like, he might have been upset about people saying you're a shit wrestler... But, if, but that,
4: if if he was if he was so hard headed to think that, well, what I'm doing is obviously making money for myself and, and, and bringing me great success, then why should I listen to any criticism about my abilities in the ring? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You no, know, the, the money is 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 speaking volumes to my ability in the ring. Therefore, you know, that's all it that really matters
3: One of the more interesting finds uh, in all this, uh, well, in, in spe- especially specifically in the A&E doc is number one, the outtakes when Vince is directing yes. him. That is very interesting stuff because, you know, there's the contract signing between him and Hogan. And Warrior says something to the camera, and you hear Vince say, Okay, Jim, if you can give me that pause, like the two second pause, really milk it. And Jim, he's okay. Okay, let's do it again. And you can see, like, you know, this man does not like to be directed, obviously. And then, you know, the straw that broke the the back, of course, when it came to his, uh, you know, him writing that letter to Vince McMahon saying, I want all these demands was uh, apparently. And I love that they brought Undertaker on to recount some of this story. Warrior was at an airport. He was clearly, obviously burnt out to the point where a kid approaches him at the airport. says, hey, aren't you the warrior? And and Warrior snaps at the kid. Well, the kid's parents were well-connected within WWE. And so Vince decided to make Warrior cut an apology promo for this kid. And that's the fascinating stuff because it's all the outtake stuff. And he's like okay wait a second i didn't even do it you know i wish i did do,
4: say something to this kid you know and he's like yeah. why am i doing this why are we doing this he's more or less saying there's no re- i mean warrior from warriors perspective he thinks he's done nothing wrong therefore there's no reason to do it and there, there's a great pivot on vince's part i think where warriors get upset because he keeps flubbing his lines and he's getting more and more frustrated and is probably kicking himself more and more uh, uh maybe i don't know for putting himself in the position in the first place. Yeah. So he right. just keeps on getting angry and angrier and lashing out and lashing out. At one point, Vince just says, hey, we're working here. It's a work. It's a work, yeah. As in, hey, approach it this way. Focus. Imagine you're doing this. You're not cutting this promo as an apology video. You're cutting this promo to whoever you're going to face or, you know, whoever you're going to tag with in the next show, essentially. There's another great bit where he, Vince is doing direction um, where where you're staying there and Vince is like, all right, imagine Hogan. He's in the ring. He's mm-hmm. celebrating.
2: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm like,
4: wow. yeah. Maybe that's the touch that's missing from backstage is, is, is Vince is, you know, seemingly still has the one guy is the one guy that has a vision for what he sees. Mm-hmm. However, he's so busy doing a million other things <laughs> yeah. you can't really be the director of raw and smackdown anymore i mean imagine a lot of this stuff is pre-taped you know in the in the early 90s before raw basically nothing except for pay-per-views were live i think even saturday night made events some of those might be live but i think some of those were still taped mm-hmm. so you, you know you get the whole day if the match sucks to redo the match we take all day to do backstage stuff to you get it right one part of that's yeah. introduction to live TV, but also one part of it is just he's got so much other stuff going on.
3: Well, the way Mox described it, it, the way Mox described it is that, yeah, he's not overseeing stuff directly. It's like you get some writer that rolls up to you, hey, this is what Vince wants. Okay, do I have to do it exactly like, well, yeah, you got to do it exactly like this. And then they do it, and then they send it off to Vince, and then it might come back an hour later, hey, you got to redo this because they want it this way.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That's, that's maddening. I don't know how much he, you know, but then at the same time, that could be because. He's in his office with let's say Chelsea Green going over 15 ideas as how to present stuff. So it seems Actually, like waiting for four weeks to, for, to get that time. You yeah, know? it seems like he uh, at one point maybe he could manage directing one roster of superstars and now he's got four rosters of superstars and he can't do it all. He can't nope. be sitting there giving people insight and motivation. And that's why a lot of the characters, especially on Raw, seem like they lack motivation. It's like, what is Rhea Ripley supposed to be doing right now? Who is she supposed to be? Well, she yep. doesn't have anybody giving her that info for whatever the vision is supposed to be for the show.
4: And plus, I'm sure everybody's waiting for their, their promo scripts. And they ha- get handed to them, you know, if they're lucky, maybe an hour or two before the show. Yeah. You know, and unless you've been taking cold reading classes. Yeah. You know, it's hard to get a script in hand, look at it and be like, all right, I know what I need to do here. Yeah, right. And only the best, the absolute best could probably do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah. that takes reps to get that good. Um, Both, both. So the idea of redemption is brought up in the A81. And, and they kind of do a bit of a push on the idea that, that warrior redeemed himself for Mm -hmm. all the awful things he said. Mm -hmm, I think what Dana says essentially is redemption isn't about the end of Jim's life. I want to say, or could it be achieved in his lifetime or something like that? Mm -hmm. The inference being that his redemption is an ongoing process through herself and their children. It's his legacy and the idea of warrior. And
3: that general idea is bettering yourself. And if the man couldn't do it, the idea behind the character is what should live on, um, which is interesting. I mean, it, it, you know, she really did, I I believe, you know, it, it, it's a bummer that it's a bummer that she would try to tear down the Dark Side episode because it, you know, and, and honestly, if she calls it, what is it? Smut and filth. Mm-hmm. It's clear she didn't watch it. Yep. you know it, it's yep. clear that she would probably in her mind think, oh, this is more like the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior you know and and it's it's clearly not that it, it it's 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 I mean just for the sherry stuff alone it's incredibly valuable mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and is is less on eggshells than the a and E one. That said, um I her her take, her point of view, um, is an interesting one. And I, you know, I don't think that there was much that she, I, I don't feel like she bullshitted too much. I don't think she was, it, she, it seemed like she wasn't really in a position to bullshit all that much in the A&E one. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a shame that she would have that, that viewpoint for the dark side one. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I do really think is. that the person who was seemingly most open and, and expressing the appropriate amount of vulnerability to to get across, you know, her true feelings about it was Sherry in in the Dark Side episode. It was really fascinating mm-hmm.
4: stuff. Yeah, it was. It was. It really was. Yeah. Uh,
3: really so was. like you said, uh, next week is the uh, the Grizzly Smith. Stuff, I think so. Which yep. is the uh, Jake the Snake and all mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I, I know next to nothing about all that. Yeah, stuff. I don't know a lot about that either. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, anyways, that'll do it for us this week. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode of Dark Side of the Rig. Did you watch the A&E one? Did you watch the Dark Side one? What would you watch? What would you think of both of them? Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Give us a thumbs Goodbye. up, too. Yeah, everybody. thumbs up, too. I put That'd this be great. up. It's for the of thumbs up. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.
2: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home,